If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, leading ladies. Welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, family physician, and executive leadership coach with over 20 years experience of providing primary care and serving as a healthcare leader. If you are a woman physician ready to make a change in your career and have a seat at the leadership table, then you are in the right place. I'm excited to provide you with the crucial skills you need to be a successful leader and strategies to deal with workplace challenges. So put on your headphones and listen as we explore the new world of building women physician leaders. Hi there, leading ladies. Thank you again for joining me for another episode of Women Physicians Lead. This is the podcast where we interview women physician leaders, where we talk about leadership tips and resources, and where we actually come together to just support one another during our leadership and career journey. I am Dr. Lisa, your board-certified family physician, best-selling author, speaker, and coach. And I'm also your advocate. I'm also your coach and your biggest cheerleader in your journey in leadership. I'm excited today to have with us Dr. Nikisha, and Dr. Nikisha is going to talk to us about her journey as an internist and geriatrician and talk with us about how we can help our aging population to age gracefully. So Dr. Nikisha is a dual board internist and geriatrician, a best-selling author, a national speaker, and she is from the beautiful island of the Bahamas. She is the daughter of two retired educators, whose love for the classroom shaped her own passion for teaching. She has over a decade of experience caring for hundreds of complex geriatric patients with multiple medical needs. Through her books, workshops, and online educational resources, she equips medical professionals with the tools needed to help savvy seniors age like royalty. Dr. Nakisha earned her bachelor's degree in biology at Acadia University in Nova Scotia, Canada. She matriculated at the University of West Indies Medical School, graduating with a Bachelor of Medicine in Surgery. And she later completed her internal medicine residency at Yale New Haven Health Bridgeport Program and was awarded a fellowship degree in geriatrics from the prestigious Harvard Medical School. She is the CEO of Dr. Nakisha Rogers, LLC, geared towards changing the perception of aging. Creative at heart, Dr. Nakisha teaches key geriatric principles in a creative, simple format so that medical professionals can provide comprehensive, compassionate geriatric care the Dr. Nakisha way. Currently, Dr. Nakisha enjoys mentoring and teaching as an assistant clinical professor of internal and geriatric medicine in Florida. She enjoys spending quality time with her parents and family, listening to music, dancing, and engaging in the creative arts. I'm looking forward to this conversation today with Dr. Nikisha, and thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. 
Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Herbert, for having me, Dr. Lisa. I was actually starting to dance as you were doing that intro. That was very <laughs> well done. Thank you. I am very much um, excited to be on your podcast. I think what you're doing is exceptional for women physicians, and I am ready to chat. Let us do it. Great. I'm ready to chat as well. Being from the Bahamas, that must have been that must have been an experience. I have visited the Bahamas. I think twice in the past. It's a beautiful island, beautiful mm-hmm. people. The culture yeah. is is wonderful. Food, obviously, and the weather. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I can just imagine the story that you have to share with us and your experience in terms of uh, your journey. But I want to really just kind of get into it. When you think back to your career and your leadership journey. Who or what may have been instrumental in helping you with that decision? I would say, yeah, growing up on the islands was something that I really am gra- I'm glad that I was blessed to do. There is a pastor. He's He passed several years ago. His name's uh, Dr. Miles Monroe. Very well-known, world-renowned. And he would always say that the Bahamas is where God lives. That's our like inside thing. But growing up on the islands, I think, was really good because you got to see a lot of a lot of issues that you realize you want to go back home and address. And then you realize that the issues aren't just germane to where you grew up from. Like we can be from different places, from a metropolitan city, from an island, but we all share the same issues with when it comes to getting older. And we're all doing that every day. But to your question, this journey of geriatrics, I, my mother says I'm like an old soul. Everybody says you're supposed to be like the youngest in the family, but you always act so old. So kind of take it as a compliment, but I always, there was always something that kind of stuck out to me about older patients And just older people, I like that they're very blunt. They're very direct. But I think more importantly, they give a lot of wisdom. Like if you really listen to them and you take the time to really listen to what they're telling you, you could save yourself so much on their life experiences. I just remember being young at like the age of six and going to school, call our ladies in the Bahamas. And after we would come home, my parents would stop to this bakery and on the way home, we would, I would always ask to go in and just get like a donor, a couple of donuts. And my parents would always wonder like, why are you taking so long to bring out this box of donuts? And after a couple of uh, sessions, they would go inside and realize she's talking to somebody. And when they went inside, lo and behold, it was this elderly couple. They would have been, if I was six, they had to have been like in their early 70s. And I, up to this day, I could still see the gentleman that I would talk to. And he just had the, just the kindest eyes and just very calm. And I was just so excited that he was interested in my day. And I was like, he would ask me, what did you learn today? And I'd be able to share like, oh my gosh, I learned how to like count. Or I learned how to do my multiplication. And I just felt it stuck out to me because I figured here it is. He made me feel seen and heard. And I think that was God's kind of introduction to geriatrics for me. And just even growing up, I remember spending a summer, uh, one summer with my grandmother on the island of Andros. And I would just like, while my sister would go out with the other people, I would just be comfortable just going out with my grandmother to walk to the different settlements with her and just watch her interact with the with the older women. Seniors have always had like a, a, a special place in my heart. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And I can't wait to talk a little bit later on in the podcast about all that wisdom that yes. to learn. Because um, I, I can definitely relate to that in terms of 
growing up with my grandmother as well. But then being a family doctor and then having a geriatric population um, Mm -hmm. as well and remembering just all the things that they would share with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's Mm -hmm. great. In terms of what you do on a day to day, like what does your day look like as a woman physician who cares for the senior population? What type of patients? I know that they're seniors, but are they from a certain area or or they have certain challenges? What what does your day as a, a woman physician taking care of that population look like? With the internal medicine background, I'm still a uh, people over 18. I still wanted to keep that that population going. I still do my pap smears. I still do my breast exams and so forth, my STI screenings. But with the older population, I'm seeing a diverse range of people from over 50 all the way up to like in their 90s. But I always tell people it's so diverse. There's no one size fits all. If I, I the thing I always teach my students is that if you've seen one geriatric patient, you've only seen one because there's no way to say that Mrs. Joe is the same thing as Mrs. A or Mrs. B because they're so diverse. And one of the things that I find out is there the terms chronological age and physiologic age are so true. Because I think I you can have someone in their 80s who could like run circles around someone in their 50s to give in their comorbidities and so forth. It's really interesting. It's a diverse, diverse presentation. I have seniors who are still exercising. I have a lady that goes to her gym every day and works out, pumps her weight. Then I have some young people that are, you know, still functional and managing like accounts with millions of dollars and they're concern like Dr. Rogers, I got to make sure my memory is okay because I need to make sure I'm handling this money. And then you have the, the other senior on the other hand that may be a little bit more frail. And I think the perception when anybody hears geriatric, many people don't know what it is, number one. And then when they hear it, they're always thinking like this sort of frail elder. And certainly that does exist, but I just want people to realize that it's a big diverse group of people who are still functional, they're still active, they enjoy life, they love to travel just as much as you. They have they have more social lives than I do personally. <laughs> they're very socially active. I just I just want to kind of change in whatever shape I can the perception of what you think of when you think of someone that's old. Yeah. And that's a good way to look at it, definitely, especially when we look at sort of aging now. Are living longer, like you said, eighty-year-olds, and they're still driving, managing their own money. They're cooking, they're exercising, they're running five Ks. They're they're really living life. A lot of them, and then and then we do have some, obviously, on the other end of the spectrum, because you see that diversity, and because you have to take care of each individual as an individual. Yeah, how do you find like? the right balance of doing what's best for the patient and then also making sure that what they want is respected and listened to as well. Because I know sometimes that there may be times where if I'm 80 years old, I may not want anything. I don't want medication. I don't want you telling me anything. I just want you to do X, Y, and Z. But on the other hand, as a physician, we may know that, well, there might be some better options for you. How do you kind of find that balance? I think every person, every patient, I I have like a different approach. A lot of, you have some patients who grew up um, in that era where it's like a paternalistic relationship where they're like, look, doc, you went to school, you figure it out. And I follow what you say. And you have to respect that. 
And and, in patients like that, I will say, well, if you were my grandmother or if you were my mother, this is what I would suggest. We also, though, try to be evidence-based as much as possible. But as you quite recognize, there aren't a lot of studies on seniors. And I think that's changing now with the American Geriatric Society. We're trying to get more studies, more data so that we can have uh, statistics to kind of base our decisions on. But fortunately, we do have different indices that we use. I'll just give you a quick example. There is um, this e-prognosis calculator from the University of San Francisco from their geriatricians there. And I use it. I use it as a segue into discussing like certain screening or if I want to decide this, if this person will benefit from a breast um, mammogram at, say, 82. I don't want to just say, oh, you're 82. We don't need to do it. But we like we could you could show them the data like based on your comorbidities and so forth. Someone like you would have like a life expectancy of, say, maybe 10 additional years. And because of that, you may still need to get your mammograms done. On the flip side, I could show them if you have a lot of things going on, you're in and out of hospital, like what is the goal here? I think goal setting with the patient is is the best way to determine how to treat them. And I love to just, I I love teaching people stuff because I feel like knowledge is power, but not just knowledge, but the application of that knowledge. And a lot of my patients know that we'll talk and talk and I try to engage them. Like, what do you want? What's important for you in the next couple of years? Like, what are your goals? Some people will say, what, um, Dr. Rogers, I just want to be able to be functional to get to my daughter's wedding. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of changes the, am I going to be as aggressive? Am I going to really pursue a spot on the lung? If this patient's like, I'm not going to do anything. If you find out that this could be a malignancy, again, respecting what they tell me and asking them what are their goals, I think we're able to, to carve like an individual plan. Yeah. And that's great. I I love to hear that and would hope that that's the the path that most physicians are taking, right, with their patients is really like almost a dual dual decision making as well as the the patient coming together and then equipping them, like you said, with as much knowledge as you can. They can make an informed decision. You got it. Right. You're Mm -hmm. not holding anything back from brain. Yeah, that's great because we definitely want to continue to help our elderly patients to age gracefully. They absolutely love it. I think they thrive off of it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Just kind of piggybacking off you off of what you just said in terms of making sure that your patients are knowledgeable mm-hmm. and then helping them make an informed decision mm-hmm. and all of those things. What do you think that we can do as a, as a healthcare system to help support seniors in the aging population and to help them to age gracefully, sort of like what you're doing as an individual? What can yeah. we do as a healthcare system? That's an excellent question. And I, um, I always like to credit sources. I found an article back by Alinda Anderson almost 10 years to the date and a doctor, I think, Goodman. And basically, I think they hit the nail on the head. They, as you and I are talking about, recognize that seniors are living longer. By 2060, one in four of us is going to be over 65. And so they realize that there are three things we need to really be focused on. We're all focused on these rising healthcare costs. Like, how can we curb the costs? They're saying when seniors um, are making up a lot of the ER visits and a lot of the hospitalizations. So the thing that we want to focus on is if people are going to age, how do we start targeting like healthier preventative lifestyles from, from younger so that we have not just an older population, but a healthy older population? 
to do that. Preventative medicine is key in our younger people, making sure lifestyles are are in, incorporating people being active and trying to choose and eat correctly. I went home recently and saw like a lot of different fast foods. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's still hope. But you, again, just giving people the knowledge. But I think what, what we're realizing now, especially for seniors, is if we're going to have older people, if we're going to be living longer, we need to start reframing the way we see life in terms of are we being prepared for the seniors? Like, as, as, as simple as accommodations, like you go to some stores, do we have ramps available for seniors? Like, do we have rails? Are we creating in neighborhoods and environments where seniors feel safe to go out and even walk? You know, so I think becoming more focused on the infrastructure for these, for older patients so that they can age like royalty. That's my, 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 my catch line. Love it. But just yes. so that they're not, they're not cooped up in homes. That's one of my pet peeves. These are people that went to work, worked so hard, were teachers, were janitors, were they did all this for their families. And to just kind of watch them waste away, I think is such a waste of all this knowledge and, and wisdom and wealth. And they should be enjoying that. And they should be honored and adored. And you save up and you pray to get to 70. God gives you reason of strength and you make it to 80. I don't think you should just kind of like waste away, but this should be a time of rediscovering yourself. Like I have patients now who've taken up, some of them are doing arts and craft, learning new languages. I think as a healthcare system, we just need to make sure the infrastructure is there to give them a sense of purpose, to make sure that their lives are still functional with things that we take for granted, like the ramps, the rails, the, the bigger fonts. A lot of my patients will call and say, Dr. Rogers, I went to the such and such and they're expecting me to go online and do these things. But are we making a push to maybe have our students make sure that our seniors are prepared for this e-friendly world that we're living in? We're just kind of making sure that we're not leaving them behind, but letting them partake in it as well. Yes, absolutely. I hear you talking definitely about infrastructure, which is so important. And that's yes. kind of what we can do from an organizational global standpoint in terms of making sure that our seniors are aging yeah. like royalty. But when you look at like physicians in terms of as women, we are only a small percentage, 20% of physicians. And when you when you look at the lack of diversity right. in physicians in terms of women, in terms of women in, of, of color, sure. and how that impacts a lot of times the care that's delivered yeah. or how that impacts the way that sometimes patients are perceived. Yeah. What are your feelings about diversity and leadership as it pertains to having more women physicians, especially those who are able to take care of the elderly? How important is it to have those physicians in place so that we can possibly address some of the healthcare disparities and inequities that we see in the elderly population, especially um, people of color? Yeah, I think that is critical. I think that it's faces that seniors, one thing I could say about them, that they trust that they verify. They are. They, I love it. They'll just kind of watch you, watch your bedside manner. You could be the best doctor or the most brilliant in your mind. But if you lack that um, bedside manner, if you don't know how to speak to people, if you, you think you're, you're, you, you don't know how to break things down or you don't take the time. I think that to me, that kind of seeing they could pick up on genuine, you know, being authentic. 
I think being able to see physicians of color, they, they want to feel like someone understands, like they can relate to them. I have some patients who will call me, hey, granddaughter. Like they'll mix baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't take offense. To it. I find it very endearing. So when they're able to recognize and look at it, they feel more relaxed. And when a patient, I, I think that sometimes I sit down and I say to myself, some of the things that people will tell me behind those closed doors, they won't tell anybody else. And you want people that they that you feel comfortable with that you're like, okay, there's something about her. She maybe she reminds me of a granddaughter or she reminds me of a niece or whatever. That allows you to build that trust. And once you have that trust, then you're able to deliver the care because they know that you you don't just know the information, but you're doing it from a, a place and a perspective of you really want the best for them. We have a history of, of lack, a lack of trust in the medical system. We all know it. I don't yeah. have to go into all the, the incidences, but many of those people have had those things generationally passed down. But that might, like, I'm a little suspicious, like, I don't know what they're doing there. But then when they see you, if you walk in the room, that smile, hey, miss, you see the guard kind of uh, break down. And then I think it's, it's also good to just let them know that they're all, it's not about the color of someone's skin. I even use it as an opportunity to say physicians who are not of color, they're excellent as well. It's not just about color. It's about the, the, the person. I think we need more women physicians. Definitely. I will definitely say that. And definitely more women physicians of color for the seniors because they need to identify with someone that looks like them, that, that has that shared culture so they can understand. And I'll give you a quick example. We have patients that I had to learn in certain cultures Certain seniors, I, I won't go into the actual ethnic group, but there are certain cultures where seniors aren't supposed to be told if there's an illness. They guard it because they're like, you know what, we don't want to worry this person. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand like the, someone's culture, then you could have the best care, but it may be they may not be able to receive it properly simply because you're not in sync with the culture. I think. I will be a definite proponent of that. We need more faces of diversity caring for seniors. Yeah, that's absolutely. And and I'm sure that the studies have shown that for women, yeah. women physicians, women physicians yeah. have been shown to have better outcomes. And I'm sure that that also, you know, spills over into the geriatric population as well. Yeah. If you just think about the, the traits that we bring to medicine. A lot yes. of us are caretakers, you know, yes. just that connection again yes. sometimes that exactly. in the exam room is, mm -hmm. is really important. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that perspective. Mm -hmm. I think that was definitely helpful. Just ask you, I know that you're busy, you're doing all these great things, you're caring for this aging population, you have mm -hmm. your, your business also that you're you're running as well. How do you take care of Self? Like, what does self care look like to you? What are some of the things that you do that sort of just help to decrease your um, stress level, decrease the overwhelm? And I'm also sure that as a woman with parents, that you might be entering that stage of being a caretaker as, as well. But what does that self care look like to you? Yeah, that is excellent. I think in medical school and like residency and so forth, you're just like going, you're going, 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 always trying to get to the next level. And I think my sister, her name's Katrina, she kind of, we just had this conversation a couple of days ago when I was back in the Bahamas. And she's like, what, you need to just kind of like pause and just enjoy the journey. And and I actually had to, I was at first I was like, oh, whatever. But then when I thought about it, I was like, but she is right. 
And so like I I went running and I just took a walk and I just started like look at the it's spring and we're starting to see like the the flowers come out. And I just kind of stopped and paused. I'm like, God, I'm so grateful to be able to breathe, to walk. Like I, I'm just grateful for where he's brought me from. In terms of self-care, have my routine. So obviously, you know, I try to get up in the morning and in the morning, I definitely, I, I cannot leave out of here. Like how some people are, they're not themselves with, with Snickers without their Snickers. I am not myself without that Bible. Trust me. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I have to flip a scripture, flip a psalm, just read something and just, and so I have a little journal and I'll pick a verse and just kind of focus on that. And then I'll write out what am I grateful for? I'm thankful that I get to take care of my, my, my parents. I'm grateful for my sister. I'm grateful for my students. I get to share and learn from them. Like I just write a gratitude and it completely changes the morning for me. And then once I'm, I'm done with that journaling and prayer, then I have the speakers in rotation. When I really need to get charged, like I have to go do a presentation. I love to listen to Eric Thomas. They am like, what up? It's your boy. I hope he doesn't listen to it. I'm not doing him just. I love to listen. I get me some Eric Thomas. I have turned a lot of people on to him. Um, my nephews, I have them listen to him. So when I want to get charged, I'll listen to Eric Thomas. If I want to just kind of be a little bit more mellow in, in, in thinking, I listen to the late Dr. Miles Monroe, just makes me think a lot before I start my day, Pastor T.D. Jakes. And I'll do that like while I'm getting ready for work or listen to some some soft music. And then as the day uh, winds down, I started getting into running. I I used to lie to people. I'm so sorry. I would wear <laughs> clothing because I'm naturally small. My sister's like, why are you doing this? I would go out, just purposely wear the, the tights and the shirt. And I'm like, you're like, oh, they're like athlete. I'm like, yeah, yeah, not running. But, but now I'm starting to be truthful. So now I started jogging and I really like it. I listen to my music and I go jogging and I, that has been wonderful. And then I started investing and doing like, like massages and stuff. And that has really, really been good because sometimes you don't realize how much you need it until you stop it. But we work in a highly stressful job where mistakes can cost somebody their life. Yes. And you work in a job where you see death. And I remembered like in training, it would take a toll on me. You'd come home and be crying. And it's almost like this was my grandfather or something. And mm-hmm. I realized that I just can't continue to internalize stuff like that. You need to out. And then when I'm done with that, yes, I read my Bible, but I still like Beyonce. So, but yeah, I like to dance as well. That's great. Well, we share a lot of very similar, I think, things that we do to sort of help with with self-care and just to help reduce the stress. I love the pause because I think that's so important. We don't do that often enough. Yeah. And I know that I share that a lot with my clients as well. It's like, just take five minutes in your office before you go see the next patient because you don't want to carry that negative energy or that. That's an overwhelm into, you know, that next person that you go to go to see. It's so important. Important. Definitely. Mm -hmm. is very important. And and the same for me. I think the the first thing that I do in the morning is I read some sort of Bible passage. Bible app on my phone. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And every morning it has like, there's, it notifies me. It's time to pray. There's like a message typically. Yeah. It does wonders for starting my day. 
Yeah, I definitely, definitely can relate to all of the things that you shared. And I hope that some of those things are helpful for our listeners as well, that they can start doing. Yeah, I would strongly encourage and listen to some Eric Thomas, Miles Monroe, T.D. Jakes. It it just kind of changes your whole mantra, your whole mood. Yes, yes, absolutely. The last thing that I wanted to kind of ask you is I know that your relationships that you have with your patients are definitely sometimes can can, can be very uh, emotional. I'm sure that yeah. you do get a lot of things that they share with you, like yeah. you said, things that they tell you they don't tell anyone else. Yeah. I remember being when being in practice and also having elderly patients and some of the things that they would share with me, I'd leave the room like, oh my gosh, like... Yeah. Sometimes it was things that I didn't know or was wisdom yeah. that they would share just about their life and what mm-hmm. they do, their experiences and their journey. Yeah. Thinking back to like your own sort of experiences with the elderly population, mm-hmm. can you share with us maybe three life lessons that you might have received from from your, from your Yeah, I would say the first thing, kind of what my sister Katrina told me about pausing is just to really enjoy life. Like Honestly, with COVID and the way the world's going right now, even being a woman of faith, like I'm realizing like life isn't promised. Today isn't, we used to say tomorrow is not promised. Like I don't even, when people talk about what are you doing next year? I'm like, well, let's just focus on today. Let's just make it to tonight. But just really enjoying life. And like when I was able to go home a couple of weeks ago, I I had the, the most fun just going on the beach with my nephew. And I asked him, like, we're just picking up seashells and going in the water. And for him, that was the best day. We were seven. And I remember when we were walking back to the car, I asked him, I was like, so what was your favorite part of the day? And I'm thinking he's going to say, oh, go and swim in. And he, he was just so oblivious to me at his back turn, picking up his shells. And he was like, auntie, just hanging out with you. Aww. And I, I just like, he doesn't, he, like he, I, he has no idea what that meant for me, but I oh, was I- just enjoying life. Cause you're just, you just, we're only people passing through, just connect with people. You never know what people are going through, but enjoy the journey and just try to enjoy other, the company of other people and just be in the moment. That'd be the first thing. Just enjoy this life that you've been given. The second thing, so I had this patient, I just recently spoke to her as well. And she would always say, what you have a gift, we all have a gift. And it's like, you owe it to God. I don't want to plagiarize anybody's quote, but it's like, the gift is what God gives you. And what you do with it is your gift to him. Do things with a spirit of excellence. Like if you have a gift, whatever that is, teaching, singing, writing, cooking, whatever, like have like that Daniel way that you approach your gifts. Just always give the 120. Always is God satisfied with this? Like there, I won't lie to you. There'll be some times where I'm like, I could call that person tomorrow. And then as I'm trying to like close the computer, I'm like, I could feel a tap on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. What if that were your mommy waiting on those results? And I open up my laptop. It's like 530. I'm like, I'm going to call this person. And it's not, it's just because it's the right thing to do. So use your gifts, you uh, do it with excellence. That'd be my second thing. And then I think thirdly would just be, and I need to do more of this. I'm, I've not been doing it, but I would say just really live. And that could be anything, whatever living is for, for you. But for me, like I had this dream that I want to travel a little bit more as, as you know, you will see how this, how time plays out, but I want to experience a lot more different cultures and kind of see life that I can when I get older God willing I'll be able to have experiences to share but 
just kind of live. I would say my three things that my sassy seniors have taught me, they're very sassy, that they have taught me. One, just enjoy life every minute. I look at my parents and I just kind of stare at them now and I'm just like thankful for the sacrifices they made for me. I find it like it's a beauty, a privilege. They can trust, they're very sassy. They will, they are a handful. But I'm like, I love when, if my father is like a little ornery, I'm like, you know what? My sister's like, if he's not ornery, then something's wrong. We're like, okay, he's ornery. Okay, good. Everything's good. We get nervous when he's not. Enjoy life. Whatever gift God has placed in you, use that Daniel spirit and just kind of do it with excellence, whatever that is. And just like live. Just live. live. I love those. I absolutely love those three life lessons because one, they're very easy. Yeah. To adopt. And, but they can also bring you so much joy and happiness. Exactly. That's what life is about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, this has been a pleasure. I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, this conversation with you. I'm so glad that we were able to connect and um, so glad that I was able to share your story with our listeners and learn a little bit more about you and what you do. The aging population, age like royalty. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate what you're doing. This is excellent. You've been patient and I had a a time trying to log on to this. Yeah. Oh, no worries. No worries at all. Nakisha, tell us where and tell our listeners actually where they can find you. If you want to share with us, maybe your social media handles. Also, if you have any resources that you would like to share as well. Awesome, 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 awesome. I am working on social media handles, but currently I'm on all social media uh, platforms. That is Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, and it's Dr. Nikisha MD. There's no period in it, which is D-R-N-A-K-E-I-S-H-A-M-D. You can go to uh, use that on all those social media handles and you can find um, my videos. I post them every Saturday to my sassy seniors. We do teaching, things I like to share, lessons I've learned with dealing with my own parents. I do that every Saturday we're going to be bringing in more content, but I look forward to answering all questions on that, on those platforms. And then you can also, listeners can go to www.agelikeroyalty.com. There we did some amazing videos. I like to call it my 10 commandments of healthy aging. And that's based on what I've been doing over the last 10 years with my seniors. If viewers go to that, www.agelikeroyalty.com, they have access to those free videos And for non-geriatric medical professionals, we have a wonderful age-like royalty guidebook. And I kind of give you my seat on how you could get your your office manager, your nurse manager, your physician, how they can kind of take geriatric care to the next level. I give you the the secrets that that, that have worked for me in my practice. And then finally, I have a book coming out. It is Secrets of Sassy seniors, my secrets of sassy seniors. And in it, I think I was a little, I divulged a little too much, but they actually give me some dating tips in this oh. article in this book. But yeah, that's going to be coming out. They are still dating. Yes, yes. they are. But yeah, that'll be coming out. That's wonderful. 
Thank you so much again. And thank you for all that you're doing to make sure that our seniors are living gracefully and aging like royalty. I think it's so important, especially during these days of time. Thank you again. This was so much fun. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay. And have a great day, a great evening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good. You take care. Okay. Thank you for listening today and for allowing me to be a part of your career journey. If you are ready to claim your seat at the leadership table and be the respected voice in healthcare, then join my community, Physicians Rising Up Leadership Circle, where physicians can learn the crucial skills they need to step up and lead and make positive changes in their own life and community. In the Leadership Circle, you will have access to monthly roundtable masterclass-level discussions that support you as a woman physician leader. You will have the opportunity to receive individual laser coaching during the roundtable sessions. You will have access to articles and videos to help with your personal and professional growth. You will receive a copy of my best-selling book, Physicians Rise Up. You will also be able to take the Leadership EQI 2.0 assessment followed by a one-hour coaching debrief, as well as have priority access to upcoming events and also to the Leadership Academy. So if you are interested in learning more about the circle and joining a group of like-minded women physician leaders, then go to www.physiciansrisingup.com. That is www.physiciansrisingup.com. Take care. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.